Morning, everybody. How's it going? Nice to see you. Thanks for coming to the collective on an early morning. Tuesday? It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Oh, wrong person to ask. <laughs> Day one. Actually is. Um, so I got uh thanks, Travis. Glenn, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate a last minute notice for an early morning get together, I think. So pretty pretty happy about it. Any Actually, before we go anywhere, I do want to remind anybody that's watching this early in the morning to make sure they like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. That way they can get the email that everybody else just got saying, hey, the collective is online. You should probably go watch them. And that's where we're at. Um, any, well, look at that. Satch is more is watching. Morning, Satch. Morning, Satch. I, I, I hope you're doing your best. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop doing that. It's just so much fun. Um, any thoughts today? Anything on the top of your guys' minds, or do you guys want to jump into a comment, a possible question from the interwebs? What do you guys think? What do you got? Well, I'm keen to keep talking chemistry like we were before, but aside from that, we can jump into the uh, comments on my side. <laughs> we could uh, try and help the internet today. Uh, just okay, I guess. I guess if that's what we're gonna do today, I guess we could do that. Um, we have. A question for y'all. The question is, do you think a laconic community could possibly work? And I'm going to give you a little bit of a uh, descriptor on this. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say a laconic community? Definitely not. Okay. Let's define it for the internet. Yes. So for the, uh, for the internet and for, for Glenn is Laconia was the name of ancient Sparta. And they were referred to as laconic because they were very terse and uh, used a lot of brevity in their speech. They didn't use a lot of actual mm, flair, I guess, or nuance in their speech. There's a famous um, situation that came about when the king of Macedonia tried to mm. threaten Sparta. And he said, you know, if I take over your country, I'm going to burn all your fields and uh, put all your women or your men in slavery and all this stuff. And the response by the Spartans was, if. And so I've seen over the last little while on the internet that uh, there's kind of a resurgence out there where people want to create this community of warriors, of um, warrior poets, maybe, slat. They just people are trying to gather communities amongst themselves within the larger world. Tim Kennedy is a great example, trying um, to create schools and trying to create uh, the physical community around him to be stronger, faster, better, all that kind of stuff. And so I started thinking about it and was wondering like, do you think a warrior society or a warrior community would work? nowadays do you think it would be effective or useful within the larger scale society or do you think it would become kind of a pariah Any so thoughts? but by a laconic community you're you're referencing the way that they speak the the brevity uh, the the lack of flowery um adjectives added to communication just if right so is there a difference between that, the speech patterns, and the warrior society? Because it sounds like it might be two separate questions. That, well, that's a great clarification. I uh, I had put them in as 
one. So even as a warrior culture, warrior community, the I guess maybe the concept of being a warrior in my mind creates a sense of uh, curtness. maybe curtness, emotional brevity, like in the fact that there wouldn't be a lot of outward displays of, I don't know, humanity or... If you're more of a stoic type. Yeah, that kind of deal. And having an actual full community developed around that style of thinking or living or acting, I was wondering if that would be doable or manageable or if that would become, I don't know, cultish. Well, well what are we? Is it a, are we doing stoic or are we doing laconic? And you choose one and then define the difference. Do you, would it have to be different? Could they be the I same? I don't know. I just want to make sure that we're clear on what we're actually talking about this morning. Right. Okay. Uh, well, that's a good point. So I guess maybe the terminology of what I'm using is a bit specific when it should, I'm thinking more in much more broader terms. And do you think, I guess maybe really the question here is, do you think that separating a community from the rest of society based around any distinct um i think the answer is yes yes okay because i was thinking i was just kind of clicked in my head of like what about mennonites or hutterites or any of the other uh, amish people people who have separated themselves into a community based off of the set of beliefs and i'm wondering because they are somewhat separate but do you think perhaps like a warrior culture or a warrior community of separating would viable do you think that would work with today's well, society well it already exists and it's already viable so what are we talking about what do you mean <clears throat> the warrior community already exists so yes it is viable okay so then is your question could it be done to scale to include yeah. the entire planet so that Maybe. it's the only group or it's the second group or it's one of 10 groups what are we talking about <clears throat> I guess it would it be possible to proliferate to or would it be mm. so I, I think there's a couple of good questions that arise out of that one question mm -hmm. that you have I believe that um, when you talk about speech patterns and brevity I think there's a lot to be said for people being able to be curt and to the point and get their being concise in their speech to mm -hmm. alleviate confusion and that can possibly avoid hurt feelings that can possibly avoid misunderstandings that are going to uh, occur from one person hearing what they want to hear and one person saying what they figure they're saying mm -hmm. so on the speech pattern side uh, with the caveat of um, being mindful that we're all human and that we have different ways of interpreting things and being open to that philosophical standpoint of charity that if somebody is saying something to you maybe we just don't automatically jump to the worst possible reasons that they're saying that what's the best possible reason they could be saying that from the standpoint of separating into different communities i mean absolutely as sean says we already have warrior class and do our communities create our culture does our culture create our communities i think it's going to be a mix of both but without the balance between the two if all you have is as you say a laconic community that encompasses the world in a in a plural sense uh, you need that counterpoint because any any way of thinking left unfettered will lead to um, 
an ultimate resolution, which is never, it never turns out to be something that's desirable. Having that, that level of balance, I think is definitely needed. So those are the two things I took out of that question. I like that a lot. Glenn, any just, thoughts? I just, sorry, I just had yeah. to quickly look up Laconic so that, I mean, we spent seven minutes and we're, <laughs> we're, we're no, we're the total opposite of Laconic at this point. Yeah. Uh, and so, Absolutely. I destroyed it. Chance. <laughs> Hell, man. So uh, let's just get right to it. Let's be Laconic about the definition of Laconic. And so it is using or involving the use of a minimum of words, concise to the point of seeming rude or mysterious is one definition. There's several variations on the theme, but let's establish, generally speaking, I think it's okay to say it's using the least amount of words possible or using brevity, mm. concise, direct, to the point. What are we talking about? What are we doing? Where are we going? And those questions briefly are answered in response briefly. So yeah, laconic community could work um, as can this conversation if we talk about direct to the point communication. And that's usually where things fall apart is it's not direct enough, it's not clear enough. The group as a whole doesn't know what is even being discussed in the moment. So I think laconic can work but not immediately, like society as a whole right now couldn't flip a switch and switch to laconic because people aren't used to direct, concise communication and feelings would be hurt uh, is, is my first uh, sense of things. The that Dutch community, the Dutch are known for their brevity and for how does this outfit, how does this outfit make me look? Terrible. Oh, okay. I'll put something else on, right? Uh, and Sean kind of encompasses that balance. And that's something that I've mentioned to Seb before. I really like how Sean will push back. He will say, Sean, you'll say something briefly. You'll push back against the norm or push the person in an uncomfortable way, but you'll do so with tact, not in a way that you're attacking them. And it's, I think that's felt by everyone. So I think if you're going to be laconic, as it's been defined, uh, in a society that's used to all the flowery prepositions and, and uh, speech patterns, uh, there's going to be a certain level of tact that needs to be employed. Right. So can I just add something to that real quick? Because I, I do try to do as you just said, Trav, but I find that I I don't do it well or I don't do it as well as I would like to. I'll say that. And so I try to gamify it in order to get better at it and so i find sometimes i'm i'm on the right side of it and sometimes i'm on the wrong side of it i still calibrating to the person in front of me or each new group or each new situation mm. requires there's not just one way to do it and sometimes as you're free flowing it and trying to feel out what's going on i get it wrong and so sometimes i'm too direct sometimes i'm too concise sometimes mm. i'm blah 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 so there, I, I don't think there's there's a set piece solution for a laconic community. There has to be, I believe, an overarching theme of let's directly communicate with each other without it being offensive and let's see where it goes. But it shouldn't be that's the only way that we're going to communicate for the rest of days because I, I just don't think people could take that heat. I think... 
I think you raise a good point there because you are actively trying though, right? You, it's not that you don't care about the other person or the other person's emotions. That level of effort to try is the important piece. And I've personally found, I guess, under the definition of laconic, being direct has saved my arse so many times when my natural upbringing has always been, Trav, you're a big guy. You got to be careful when we're playing sports. You don't want to hurt the person. You got to be careful about what you're doing. And so I'm always tiptoeing around people. And uh, up to a certain point in my life, I found that trying to be so concerned and cautious about a person's feelings that you end up creating misunderstandings that will ultimately create resentment or further hurt feelings in the future. So, um, I, I think, you know, I, I look at some of the best people that I know in business and they're just straight to the point. They're not trying to hurt your feeling. They said, no, this won't work. No, I don't think this will work for ABC next. And they're, they're on to the next thing. That level of brevity, I think is, is very important for people to, uh, to understand. And, and surround, surrounding yourself with people who set a high standard or a good standard or a clear standard of what brevity means. My wife, as an example, as an engineer, more to the point, she's a project manager or, or uh, uh, within leadership. Uh, coming up through the engineering world and, and who she is, <clears throat> she actually makes me realize that I don't have a, enough brevity. Mm. I, I'm not communicating as directly as I should. She does a better job of communicating in, in a laconic manner than I do. And so if, if it's not, if it's not in your household to hold you accountable, like my wife is, mm-hmm. uh, then you've got, you've got to find people who do do it well, who do communicate in a direct, concise, but non-offensive way, uh, as I'm trying to, but I, I look for ways to do it better by looking out there to see who actually does it well. Mm. I like this. Glenn, you got any thoughts on? Um, you know, just kind of something small to piggyback off Travis and Sean. Uh, kind of when I when I was thinking about, it, you know, I like the idea of brevity. Kind of, it, immediately I thought about deeds, not words. Immediately, um, but at the same time, the brevity in speech just kind of thinking about this, not necessarily this day and age, but what's going on in the community that I uh, kind of see is that there's not enough communication at the same time. So I could see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the brevity of communication, if, as Sean said, if it's clear, concise, and quality is beneficial. But if it's, uh, you know, concise in a muddy, rude way i could see how someone can interpret that in a not so positive way and then i could see how there could be a clash with that so it's not really a point i'm just kind of highlighting the both avenues that i thought of when i when this was presented to me well that's beautiful i wouldn't mind just adding to that and then i'll step away from the mic and see where you guys take it so on the weekend of course i was out in ottawa hanging out with some characters and how we uh, used to be able to communicate was like this. Did you see that blink? That meant something. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we calmed. Because our, our ability to direct, concise, and to the point got refined into a nonverbal communication. 
Whereas at the other end of the spectrum, there are people who obviously can't do that. And their uh, idea of communication is not saying anything for a really, 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 really long time. So as you sit down with them and try to blink comms, you're going to spend another four days listening through a contorted and twisted and, and unsure path that you're not sure where the communication is leading to. And at the end of it, you still don't know where you went. Mm. And so some people communicate like that. And it's, uh, it's my job, I suppose, to figure out how to communicate both ends of things. Mm -hmm. And so if let's take it to maybe a real case uh, example, where if someone sits down and says, uh, yeah, I, I, I could use some help from you. It's my job then to figure out how they, they comms or the communication style. Maybe they don't want to have the conversation dragged out through a bunch of analogies and metaphors and so on and so forth and have them open up to the conversation so that they can guide the topic. Where unlike some people may just require me to be direct, concise, and to the point and, and not solve the problem, but get to the root of the problem in 60 seconds. So there's lots of communication styles, but I don't think that we could all be laconic, lickety-split, because that, that's just not the world that we live in right now. Maybe in the future, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that will ever happen. So it's, it's the calm style that has to be determined by the person or the group that's standing in front of us. That's, that's, a, that's maybe where we could start the conversation, I think. I like that. My... my my thoughts were wondering if if we actually were to enable the ability to be laconic in our speech patterns do you think that would affect uh art theater entertainment that kind of uh it already is it's called ai Ooh. it's called gpt 4.0 that's a good point do you think that it would and the uh, laconicness of it is this 12 seconds of typing and all of a sudden you've got a novel in front of you. And so we are in a laconic age right now called digital GPT. So it's not just the verbal world that we're talking about. It's actually the AI world that I'm talking about at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so, well then that begs the question in my mind is that, then wouldn't we want more nuance in life in order to, to to separate us from the AI systems? Because if we have, if we're too, if we become too laconic to the point that we are thinking in terms of prompts and responses, then we will eliminate the ability for nuance, for subtleness, for finding so the... the uh, Oh, oh! wait till we combine AI and humans with a Neuralink and all of a sudden it laconic communication is instantaneous and all encompassing. And let's see where that goes. I mean, we don't even do verbal well at the human to human level. So <laughs> I'm sure things are going to get mighty interesting. It's pretty, pretty interesting. I, I really love these. Uh, I, I love that I can start a, a conversation about being laconic by being completely not laconic. <laughs> it takes us into a realm of AI. I love these conversations. Um, <clears throat> so let's let's talk more about the uh, 
communication styles. And do you think that, do you think that you need a balance? Like as, as a, as a person, do you think it's better to be balanced in terms of where you sit as being say more nuanced or subtle versus laconic, or do you think it's the ability to grab what you need in those moments? I think Sean nailed it already on that. You know, the more important the conversation, I think the more laconic you're going to have to be. If it's a really important conversation, like Sean was saying, hey, I'm not doing too well. Now it's my job to figure out what that means. Do I have to be concerned about you? No, yes, okay. We start going through the checklist. Um, the And it takes two people in order to have an effective conversation either side, but it ultimately ends on you if you actually want to see resolution in that communication. Because although I'm talking to you right now, I can't expect that maybe I'm not making sense. Maybe I'm not, I make sense in my mind, maybe not in yours. And if I, um, and if I, if I'm reading and I see that it's not hitting properly, I have to have tools in my toolbox to steal from you their chance <laughs> in order to be able to try and hit the different ways so I can effectively communicate. Cause we are so bombarded with information on a day-to-day -day basis that we can only retain so much, which is why our attention spans, people's attention spans are getting smaller and smaller and everything's coming out in very short clips. So the art of being impactful in that short clip and then knowing when to make that flowery, make that larger and longer for somebody if need be for entertainment purposes. But if you want people's attention, you're going to have to think through what you're saying and put it out in the most concise way because people won't be around for the the entire speech for the most Glenn, Travis, Glenn, I, I love what you said, man. Like you opened that up with, uh, sorry, I'm going to tank this one, but, uh, I believe that at the start, you said that, uh, the more important the conversation is, the more laconic it, it is. Mm. And immediately that switched gears for me mm. uh, in terms of what this is. It's not about saying less. It might be about listening more, observing more, and being more aware. Mm -hmm. Active so, communication. Yeah. So that, I don't know if that changed it for for anyone else, but for me, that completely switched the gears. So maybe it might be worth exploring, okay, does this, was this expression not so much, was it, was it, was laconic actually potentially more for uh, being more aware, more observant? more engaged into the environment, that situation or something else. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. It does it. Uh, it kind of calls into an idea of what the definition is, right? It, few, mm -hmm. few words being concise and it's, it's about saying less, but the, the, the mindset switch of turning it into um, basically being present more yeah. with that conversation versus just trying not to say as much, which I think is a, an interesting line to go with. There, uh, there it, will be times when you have to say a fair bit in order to be able to get your, your point across, mm -hmm. like, like basic interview and interrogation. If you're going to be interrogating somebody, you're basically doing all the talking and you're doing theme mm -hmm. development and you're creating something until the person is mentally prepared to accept what it is, whatever theme that is that you're throwing out there. And you're watching the entire time you're seeing is what I'm saying hitting? Is it not hitting? Am I on the right track? Am I not okay? And I'll, I'll kind of get over there. Um, 
which is contrary to a, a lot of people think of as interrogation from the movies. You talk now, whip, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're interrogating right now. We are. Yeah, exactly. I like that. <clears throat> so, and, and that's why I think the world's a bit backwards right now, a bit sideways, a bit messed up. And here's, here's my grand theory that I've had for a while. Uh, because as we all sit here right now, we communicate reasonably well. Um, reasonably directly, reasonably clearly, we can stay reasonably on point. But not everyone does that well. But where a lot of people do it really terribly is in the written form. Mm -hmm. Most humans, most adults know how to communicate verbally on a phone. They can communicate better than they can write. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't write well. And if they do write well, which isn't that common, by the way, then they're not as clear in their writing as they are in their speech, in their verbal. And so I, as I see it, there are three levels to the communication game. And I'm, I'm super simplifying. I'm not going to talk about, you know, nonverbal communication and yada, yada. I'm just going to talk about the written, we'll call it, Twitter texting, and then we'll call it the verbal, which is on a phone, and then we'll call it communicating verbally and visually, just like we are right now. And that's why I wanted to do this, because or the collective, is because I could pick up a phone any day of the week and start talking with someone to try to be helpful to them, but they ain't getting the read on me, and I ain't getting the read on them. And the reads that I get visually are way more than the verbal reads I get. And so I see them as levels or layers of communication. The worst level being the written one. And here's why. As I've already established, I don't think that too many people write that well. But even if they do write well, it's generally written on a one-way communication style. In, in isolation, in the dark, whatever it is, all up in your head, writing what you think is important or trying to lead the conversation how you think it'll be helpful or not or whatever, and then it gets sent. And there's zero feedback until you get that digital one and zero back to you that is a response that you get no read on other than what you literally read. And then it's for you to interpret or misinterpret, which is usually the case in Twittersville or whatever, where people start ramping up and getting divisive and angry because one person can't write well, the other person can't write well, and their communication style is already a disaster before they start. So it's one-way salvos back and forth. And so that gets stripped out of the way once you pick up a phone and say, dude, did you just write what you wrote? And now they have some level of accountability there. Now they're thinking verbally and written. Combining those two sensory uh, outputs, it, it, it brings some um, consequences, some accountability, if you will. But then take it to that other level, which is what we're doing right now. Now it's all real-time consequences. It's all real-time feedback. If someone says something that is completely sideways, None of us have to say a word, but we all know what's going on. <laughs> and so 
a laconic community can't exist in a digital space without interaction. So if we're not talking about a digital space, let's just swipe that off to the side of the screen and talk about a three-dimensional, we'll call it an organic world where we're all trying to communicate side by side, walking down the street, in the mall, whatever. I'm not sure that that style of communication could work right now because just not enough people are used to communicating properly. It's almost like we're losing the art of communication. I think that's why emoticons were invented because people lack the prowess of being able to compose something in the written word and convey their message. They'll write something out and put sarcastic face or scratching my head or, or la- rolling around laughing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's a great be thoughtful. Point. It is hard to be thoughtful. Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> it's funny as you were talking about the written word, it, it struck me. Do you guys remember writing essays in school back in the day? Yep. And uh, being told that it has to be this long with this many words and blah, blah, blah. You have to make it this many pages, whatever. And I remember writing my point out and going, I'm not even near the word count. Okay, well, now I'm just going to start putting in fluff words, right? You just start adding in stuff in between. And, you know, it's not that you can't do something. It's that I have lack the ability to engage in this particular thing. Like you just add stuff for no reason. And I think that perhaps that might have something to do with it is the fact that we weren't so much, at least I wasn't taught write how to write. I was taught that these things are required in order to have good writing, but I was never taught how to like express myself in writing. And I think that that is something that we're lacking because I actually, once I was in, uh, out of school, I had a friend of mine who was a writer tell me, oh, write it down and then say it out loud. See how it sounds. And I was like, what? It can't be that different, can it? And it, it is. That's what you write out in your head and you're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. And then you say it out loud. <laughs> and then, uh, let's not do that. I think that's part of what you were saying, Sean, is the fact that there's this, there's this gap between how we write why we write and what we actually mean and and there's levels within the levels so you know we've got the written we've got the verbal on the phone and then we've got the um interpersonal digital um audio visual interaction so in each of those levels there's sub levels levels to the levels and Mm -hmm. so let me give you the example when I write nowadays, which is different than when I was writing in grade six, nowadays, I'm not writing for me. I'm not writing to try to explain things to myself in a way that I like to hear them. I'm trying to write for other people to invoke emotions or feelings or thoughts in them. None of my writing is to impress upon myself how well I write. My writing is to plant seeds and brains. And that's a different level. And there's levels above that level. Whatever those levels are, I don't know. I still got to figure them out. Who knows? But I'll get after it. I'll try to figure out how to write better. And so the intention of your writing, the intention of your verbal, the intention of your audio-visual signal, that, that's a big part of, of the sub-level game. That's a point. 
piece of the puzzle that uh, was an interesting learning experience for myself. I was sitting in my office. Actually, this studio used to be my office until I converted it. And I had a retired executive from CP Rail who was a strategist for them, really intelligent individual, and taught me a lot about business. We're having a conversation. I say, oh, hold on a second. Email comes in. I type an email response, and I get back to the conversation. Because, you know, I'm in my office. It's a work day. He says, what was so important that we had to interrupt our communication here for you to send this email? I said, well, it, it affects my business. I'm dealing with a regulatory body on something. They're saying, I... I'm not going to be permissible to do one thing and I'm showing them the law and exactly how I am and how they're wrong. Right. And I'm just, I'm being laconic in my com communication, cut, paste. I'm right. You're wrong. Here it is. He says, well, how's that working out for you? <laughs> hmm. Not too good actually. Right. He says, well, how long does it take for them to respond to one of those emails? I said, well, man, they usually take a week or more. Right. He says, why don't you afford them the same courtesy? Why don't you draft your email and sit on it and spend some time and let them know, let them know, Hey, let's say Wednesdays. And I told them this Wednesdays are the days I correspond with you. Uh, if it's an urgent matter, then let me know. Otherwise you'll hear from me on Wednesday. And if I don't get to it on Wednesday, I'll give you an email anyways, just letting you know where I'm at. And you start to take the end user into account and think, what are the points that they need to check. Now this person is a civil servant and they have boxes they need to check. They got certain levels of accountability that they may not want uh, put on them. And once you're able to essentially make your point through asking questions and having them adapt a certain layer of accountability, you can paint them into a corner, you can give them a way out, you can achieve an outcome that's beneficial for them. It's not a manipulative process and beneficial for yourself. But that laconic, quick back and forth, I'm right, you're wrong, all it served to do was get their back up and say, you can't tell me I'm wrong, I'm the regulatory body. So to Sean's point, communicating with the end user, if you want to be successful, your point shouldn't be proving to them that you're right. Your point should be that both of you mutually get to a place where it's going to be beneficial for everybody. And, and a handy little tip for that, just a, you know, not a rule of thumb or a lever or widget or whatever um, it's for you to take or not. I, in those moments, how I like to establish the branching point as that email comes in is do I work for him or does he work for me? <clears throat> the moment that someone is sending me something and I have to make an instant decision on respond immediately or not, I try to think, am I working for this guy? Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean like, if, if there's anyone out there who knows me, who sends me DMs on the regular because they're in the Hurt Locker or whatever, the moment that that DM comes in, I work for them mm -hmm. because that's a priority for me because that's what I'm trying to do is be helpful for them. But if I don't work for them and if, if I don't have a relationship with them, and particularly if it's an institution that's nameless, faceless, that's asking me to knee-jerk response to something, Mm -hmm. I don't work for you. Mm -hmm. And so you'll work for me on my time when I see it's important. And I think it, it, it might sound dogmatically stubborn or whatever the case is, but it, it's a mind, it's a mindset. It's a, it's, it's a, a shift discipline. in, in it, it, correct. It's the discipline of knowing that they're not pulling the strings. I'll move my strings when I want to. And it sounds, it sounds like it shouldn't be important, but it is. It's you taking control of your life, 
not having someone run your life. And I know that sounds, you know, very uh, uh, or Orwellian, but uh, I, I just think it's a subtle mind shift that you either you're working for them or you're not. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. The uh, I was thinking, uh, Trav, when you were talking about referring to a a regulatory body with <laughs> these are the rules mm -hmm. and I, I i think back to a memo i wrote that uh was stating qrnos and doads and all the military um specifics but the, it didn't matter right the fact that the the regulation state whatever is that yes that's technically correct that is 100 percent correct um, and it actually kind of goes back to your statement earlier about what the the Dutch, you know, this does this dress do I look good in this outfit? No. <laughs> right? It true. You are communicating. Yes, mm -hmm. you are accurately communicating, but you're not uh it is goes to Sean's point, you're doing it one way, right? This is correct. Which is okay if in you're living situations. in Holland. Right. That's right. <laughs> so That's your, your community yeah. has normalized the uh, means of communication within societal norms to be acceptable to directly say no. Mm -hmm. And so that is a, it's not an anomaly, but it is a cultural phenomenon that is not common. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's common in that country. Now, could that spread all across the world? Perhaps, but not in North America at the moment and probably not for some time because we have veered too far away from direct, concise, and relevant communication styles. It, it, quite the contrary, we are in a muddy, divisive, wandering style of communication that isn't often getting much accomplished. It's very true. And it also lends to um, the extreme of either side as well so if you i because I, I i know people and i have uh i have a few people that i know that's that say this regularly i have no filter which just me is cover for i'm a jerk right and they're just they're gonna say whatever they want at any point in time just because and uh they probably believe themselves as laconic in that they're just that's how i feel that i'm telling you how i feel and that's the way it is but there is if you want an actual communication versus a direction, I guess is the difference because, you know, direction, one way direction, if I need you to do something and I say, Glenn, go down the street, get me a bag of sugar, come back. You're going to go, you're going to go get me a bag of sugar and come back. But if I say, Glenn, write me a uh, 2000 page book <laughs> about your experiences doing whatever, right? Like, the directness doesn't help in that situation. And so again, like I, I come back to this balance of like how to, uh, how to, how to do it better, I guess is should we be more laconic as a society or should we back off from it? I mean, we've backed off pretty far right now. I guess we have to be <laughs> in North America. We backed off as basically as far as you can go, but, uh, I'll throw a phrase out there. <clears throat> I say what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to be a jerk. I say what's on my mind. And that phrase is bandied around. It's thrown around so casually like live, laugh, love or whatever. <laughs> I say what's on my mind. And everyone thinks that then they get to say what's on their mind 
without any thought. Mm-hmm, so yeah. what I when I say what's on my mind, it's because I've considered what I'm about to say, not just I say what's on my mind. I'm not just spewing out stuff like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. As even as I'm talking, I'm real time processing what's the best way to say things to the group that's in front of me or the person that's in front of me or the email that I'm typing. You, you, you got to consider what you're trying to do rather than just do. So there is a difference between saying what's on your mind versus knowing your mind and then saying what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. Like that. Any thoughts, uh, Glenn, Trap? Any thoughts on that? I, I think no. you nailed it with the discipline thing. Yep. It is, right. it's not an easy process to undertake, but it takes one step at a time. You have to actively, every email that comes in, you have to think, okay, <clears throat> what's my process for responding to this? And after a while, you can start couching letters that within a minute of getting it that are going to be equivalent to what took you a week before but you have to employ that discipline process at some point. And the same with your conversation models. And if it starts going awry, having the courage and knowledge that you can always back up. Because, you know, growing up, I'd always had this mindset, once you reach a certain point, okay, it's no return, I guess we're into it now. And that was a turning point for me as well, realizing, okay, stop, this isn't working. Let's back up. Let's regroup. I'll just verbalize it out, out loud. Look at the conversation we're having isn't going in a way that I think is beneficial for the two of us. Let's stop and back up a couple of paces. Same with the emails. I like that. I like that. So let me posture this then. Do you think that in order to be more laconic in speech, we have to be more nuanced in thought? Hell yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do we develop a nuance of thought? In order to be laconic, good luck. (laughs) Practice and discipline, and you'll you'll find a pattern that works for you, right? I mean, the the thought process. My head's spinning in a bunch of different ways all the time, but sometimes I'll have something that comes out halfway decent, and that's hopefully if I can harness that and practice it and do it again, I'll, I'll start finding a pattern that works for me in most situations. That, that is the laconic individual, not the laconic community. Uh, that's why I was throwing out good luck. Yes. I mean, yeah, Trav, I mean, obviously you've had a lot of luck as, as it's yes. misnomer. Uh, but uh, that is not the case with a community. It's certainly not the case with North America. And I don't even know if we do it that well over here on the collective from time to times. You know, we, we get off on tangents, of course, which I find quite enjoyable, but sometimes we're not as direct, concise, and to the point as we could be. But guess what? That wouldn't make for fun listening. Mm, that wouldn't make point. for good engagement. If I talk the way that I think all the time, our conversations would last about 12 seconds. <laughs> and so what I've got to do is take my like rapid, like my raptor-like ability to see what's in front of me and say, go, no, go. I can't do that. I've got to not build it out, but I've got to communicate in a style that is a little bit storytelling, is a little bit interactive, is a little bit throwing a hook into someone so that I can pull them into the conversation three minutes from now or whatever the case is. I found, and I was told very early on in this process, Sean, stop trying to be helpful. Just tell stories. 
just talk. And and I think that that's the difference between the robots and us. How you 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 can be direct, concise, and to the point, as can robots. But I think there has to be a little bit of flair, not too much fancy boy flair, but just a little bit of flair in your direct, concise, and to the point sometimes, so that it it gives a veneer of some personality, of some character, of something that is an 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 attractive element to the point that is being made so the other person can have a sense of humanity to some degree am i off base or what do you guys think i think you're you're 100% on base and i think not everyone is going to take that one statement exactly mm-hmm. as you meant it think of like simon sinek and his ted talk on the golden circle if you haven't seen it it's a great yeah. a lot of people have seen it People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And he says that like 20 times throughout the entire talk. But he keeps talking on things. He's got that one point. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And then he gives a story, and he says it again. And then a different type of a story, and he says it again. And one of those stories, or maybe more, is going to impact and stick with somebody. Just like in this conversation, Glenn said, hold on a second. Something was said in the conversation, and now I think about it a little bit different. If we just said, if we stopped at what Chance said and said, yep, Nope. And then that was it and left people to think about it. We wouldn't be as far ahead as we are now by expanding the conversation and saying the damn same thing over and over again, but just from different angles, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is why I wanted to get into this conversation in general is the fact that um, I've been looking around and, and trying to understand, you know, the... I heard this from somebody a little while ago that, you know, most podcasts have a certain style and you can basically copy paste one to the other, to the other, to the other. And I still, I've been looking around at like communication, who, who communicates, how do they communicate? Why do they communicate? What is it they're trying to get across? And a lot of the stuff out there is just noise. It's just the, the noise that's in their head that they're putting on a speaker and then they're putting it out in the world and be like, Oh, look, noise. And so I was like, well, what if we had a community that actually wanted to communicate and communicate clearly and definitively? And that's where I came up with the, the concept of a laconic community. But at the same time, that can turn in, it can go to the extreme, right? You can go to a point where, well, I mean, actually to your point, Sean, very early, you said, you know, the people you were communicating with over the weekend, you used to communicate through mostly nonverbal. Right. And you can go to a point in a laconic community where communication is nonverbal, but that means that no one else can join because they have no idea what's happening. Right. They're not involved in it, becomes a very segregated, uh, segregated community. And the fact that they're no longer able to communicate with the outside world because they are so used to communicating their way. So I was wondering about the dangers of that where you hit a line and you go, hmm, we can't come back from that. Any thoughts? Well, I see the uh, not a not every podcast, definitely not the Silver Core podcast, definitely not. Uh, I see a lot of other podcasts out there that are basically a written email verbalized in a one-way direction to an audience that they don't know and may not even care to know. It's just a it's a one-way <laughs> delivery of a written thought. And so 
that's the very last thing that I wanted ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, if, if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to send someone an email. What's the point in going through all of this fuss to get in front of a microphone to deliver emails in a one-way direction? So my, my thought is what we're doing here is good. And, and I'm not going to say it's super unique, but it's different. And I think the reason that it's helpful or may get traction someday is because at least we're freaking talking like human beings with each other and looking each other in the eye and, and, and nodding our heads or shaking our heads or at, at the very least being interactive with each other. That's a good point, man. Trav? Got something? No, I think the, I think the collective, I think the collective here, the biggest value that it has is what I'm seeing happen in real life, is the listeners are interacting with each other. The listeners are interacting with the guests. The guests are interacting with each other, and it truly is a community that's building upon itself. I've spoken on the Silvercore podcast with other people that have been on the collective because they've been on the collective. Um, that level of communication that has been happening here which is inclusive and opens the doors for other people to say look at i want to type something in i want to make a comment on here is i i think around because of the value structure behind the collective as opposed to how do we get more likes how do we get more hits how do we get how do i glorify my voice out there it truly is an active communication process, despite mostly having presenters on here talking, because it's always being recalibrated, always looking at the different uh, comments that are coming in. So I don't know, it's it's an interesting phenomena, and it's fun to watch. It, and I it think is, our conversation at the beginning, Chance, you, you'd mentioned something about people in your phone book that you have that you wouldn't have ever thought would have happened, uh, had it not been for the collective kind of getting together. And there's strength in that. There's there's nothing that is going to please me more today than what you just said in the sense of if we've had someone over here and then they've ended over ended up over on your podcast, uh, man, that just makes me so happy because that's now the start of the force multiplication. I, I just wanted some force multiplication, you know what I mean? So, A, thanks. But B, that's really encouraging to me. Yeah, and it really, it's community building, right? This is a kind the reason I, I, I mean, I like the collective in general because I get to talk to cool people and I get to, you know, spend an hour in my basement talking to, talk to cool people <laughs> and having good conversations. But it it's building the community to what I think is a, and maybe not, I'm thinking superior, but it's not superior. It's a, it it's changing the community for the better because, everybody in the community wants to be better, right? Like it's, it's not just that I think everyone else should be better and we're trying to like, ah, make it. It's that everybody involved wants to be better and they want to talk to other people who want to be better. And it's becoming this, yeah, it's, it's awesome time. I'm really enjoying this. Um, Glenn. It's changing you to be better too. Like I, I look at you and where you've progressed in your, uh, your orating, your, your podcast, everything. Uh, I think at the individual level, if you want to be really selfish about it, it brings a, a lot of a lot of uh, value to the individual, and that only comes by the more you give, the more you get back. And sorry, Glenn, I kind of cut over there. Oh no, no. Uh, I think uh, 
Chance and Sean are like the ultimate power couple. Mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Um, but uh, you know, as as Sean was talking about his Raptor uh, twelve second go no go, it made me rethink, rejig again for a third time <laughs> where Laconic could be. And uh, I'm pretty sure you guys have discussed it on here before uh, the OODA loop. Mm-hmm. And Laconic might be just a super tight OODA loop. And uh, non-Laconic community would be just a massive <laughs> OODA loop the size of the planet. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, uh, it took Sean. I, I, I'm just going to just kind of talk here. It, you know, Sean refined it, it took him decades to refine that OODA loop, but just bringing it down slowly, slowly, slowly by observing everything, deciding and acting over and over and over again to bring that OODA loop super tight. So he went through all that nuance to refine it to that. So I think, you know, with a, with a, with a larger OODA loop, nuance is there for a general population. But when you, as Sean, Chance, and Travis mentioned, now when you bring it to a community that's extremely similar with shared experiences to piggyback off another conversation that you guys have had, I think, four or five podcasts ago, then that's where the laconic kind of expression could it could be viable. So I, I don't know. I just kind of, mm-hmm. my brain just went there. I don't know. That's a great point. And uh, this is why, you know, when I first started podcasting and I started interviewing vets because it's easy to talk to them, right? And it's because we have the shared language and we can be brev, we can add brevity, we can do things. No, it's easy to talk at them. Ooh, that is a great Which I believe I've seen you do. Yes, I've done that a couple of times. Absolutely. Um, And you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It, It is easier to talk at them because I think we're used to it. And be talked to as well, back and forth, instead of... Yeah, it's it's not a two-way dialogue. It's a one-way dialogue and a one-way listen. <laughs> two it's one-way not two-way. <laughs> it's just... It, it, no, I, I've seen it too many times. And I'm not yeah. now I'm not talking about you. I've seen it too many times that people talk at each other and talk at each other. And that's called a podcast. But it isn't a podcast. It's just a thing where two people are talking at each other. That's not communication. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's two one-way speeches. <laughs> They're completely separate, but at the same time. I like that a lot. Um, well, we're we're getting short on time here, so I'm going to go around the table. Any, any thoughts? Any last thoughts? Any last uh, things percolating to the top of your head, Trav? Uh, two things for those listening who don't know what an OODA loop is, that's O-O-D-A, observe, orient, decide, act. I'm sure most people listening probably know that one, but if they're scratching their head. And the other one was you're talking about uh, writing a an essay in high school. Mm-hmm. That brings to mind in grade 11, I had a teacher, I think his name was Mr. Latimer, and he loved this book called Shoeless Joe, of which the movie Field of Dreams was created off of with Kevin Costner, written by a guy by the name of W.P. Kinsella. And this teacher would come in and he brought his baseball glove and he'd be oiling it up and he brought it a bat and he'd be smelling it and talking about the sights. And it was a very romantic thing for him. And our job was to write a report on WP Kinsella. And in typical ADHD fashion, I did nothing on the work. And 
all I had was the back of the book and a quick little bio on him. And so I thought I'd heard that he lived in Hope, BC. And so I looked up in the white pages and I actually found he was in South Surrey, gave him a phone call, got his answering machine, gave me a number to Florida. And I called him up in Florida where he was there with his girlfriend at the time, despite having a wife, apparently, according to the back of the book and like a, a complete, it wasn't, it wasn't a secret or anything, but it was a completely different life story than what everybody else was writing about him. And I was able, he gave me the time. He's, I remember the girlfriend like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing a book report for some kid in grade, 11, grade 10 or 11. Right. And the, that communication, my teacher took me a while to convince him I actually did that. He eventually gave me a copy of the book and and was able to verify everything. But that level of interaction with those who you are consuming, I think is something I would encourage to anybody watching the collective right now, just because Glenn or chance or Sean or of a certain level or background or brings whatever it is to the table, all of them are very willing to answer questions and to interact. And I, from my understanding, that's what the collective is all about. So I'd highly encourage people to take that same life hack. Why try and write that whole essay all by yourself and figure it out when you have resources here, if you're willing to put the effort in and be respectful of people's time, you'd be surprised at what people are willing to do for you. So that's the only thing that comes to mind. Outstanding. Glenn, any, uh, any final thoughts on what we're talking about? No, just great conversation. Man, you guys are great, man. That's it. <laughs> well, let's, uh, Sean, any uh, final thoughts on laconics or communities? Anything? Yeah, I love that story, Trav. And yeah. uh, as you were telling it, here's here's the only word that kept popping into my head. Seeker. Mm-hmm. An adventurer, which is a characteristic that I love in anyone. And so <clears throat> if you... If you can just find a way to just seek a little bit more than you normally do in your day, if you can just like put the word adventure into a sentence today, you're, you're better for it. But not just adventure out in the mountains, adventure with someone else in a conversation. Just like we try to do here, or I try to do here every morning, is adventure in the conversation kind of gamify it into an exciting adventure that you don't know where the base of the mountain is during the hour of your conversation and and see where you get to. I love these conversations because I love seeking. And so Trav, that was a great seeking story. I really enjoy that. And it, it actually brings up, uh, what you and I were talking about beforehand in the green room is that, uh, you know, you never know. You really don't know anything that you think you know about whether or not this person will talk to you or whether or not you can get this information from this person or that person, the other person. You never know until you actually do it. Mm. If you put out your hand and say, hey, how's it going? You shake someone's hand, you can actually engage in a conversation. <clears throat> you you can find out more about not only them, but about yourself. And then you can build upon that every day in order to learn in order to build, in order to grow. And you can do that here with us on The Collective every day. So we'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.